want to start today by asking you a question. Have you ever had a picture of a preferred future, something that you would love for God to do, but when you look at your current situation, it seems impossible? Have you ever had an area of your life where you're needing God to do a miracle, you're needing God to move, but when you look at where you are today, you're thinking, God, I think I've finally found somewhere or something that might be impossible for you to move in. Today, I wanna talk to you about what do we do in the gap? The gap between where we are and what we see in comparison to what God wants to do and who he says he is. I am not unfamiliar with the gap. God miraculously saved my family. I grew up in Ireland with no church background, no understanding of God. God reached into our lives and rescued us, really caught us off guard. But the final person to give their lives to Jesus was my father. And if I had had a list of people in my life who I would have said are the least likely to ever know Jesus, my dad was number one on the list. And that's not a good list to be on, okay? And I remember praying and believing and seeking God for him to know God. But it seemed the more that I prayed, the further he ran from God. The more I believed, the less it looked likely that Jesus would meet him. And it all changed, really, whenever we took a vacation to America. Come on, America, land of the free. <laughs> all right. We came here uh, on vacation and got into our rental vehicle, and for two weeks, worship music played in our car. There was a worship CD in our car for all the students. Google what that is, all right? I'm not going to go back and even talk about cassette tapes. That's also, that, I almost missed that personally. But this CD played in the car. And worship music softened my dad's heart for two weeks. There was a divine setup from God where the swimming pool cleaner at the place we were staying was a Christian, loved Jesus, and began to share with my dad his story and share the love of Jesus for my dad. And my dad's heart began to soften more and more. He actually ended up inviting my dad to church, and my dad said yes. And he brought my family to church for the first time. I remember thinking as a teenager, you don't go to church off vacation. I know you wait until we get on vacation. You know you want us to go to church. Like, I want to go to Disneyland. That's why we're here, right? But my dad brought us to church, and I saw God begin to work in his life. And a couple of weekends later, when we got back to Ireland, we were in a church service, and the pastor said, I'm not going to close service until somebody comes up here. The Lord is telling me there's someone here who needs to give their life to Jesus, and you're wrestling with God right now. I remember giving my dad a little side eye and looking, and he was wrestling. <laughs> and it was as if God grabbed my father by the back of his neck and threw him forward. That was what it was going to take. And he found himself at the altar. He surrendered his life to Jesus. He's been serving the Lord ever since. Come on. Amazing. It's so fun telling that story now, but can I tell you, there were years of pain Years of a gap, years of knowing God, you said that you will rescue and save, but my dad looks unreachable, and yet God did it. I want to encourage you today, watching online here at Little Creek, I want to let you know that whatever area of your life you feel is unreachable for God, it isn't. Anything is possible for God. In fact, you don't have to wait to 2024 to see it. I believe even today, God is going to move in your life. The question is, what do you do? in the gap. It's been really fun living in America. It's been a lot of things to get used to as an Irishman. 
everything is extra large. The sodas are extra large. I remember I asked for a, a soda for the first time in America. I asked for a small. They brought me a small. I said, no, I asked for a small. They said, this is a small. I'm thinking, what is going on in Ireland? This is an extra large soda. All right, so there's a lot of things I've had to get used to. But one of the, the, the most fun things was going on the Pontchartrain Causeway Bridge for the first time. For anybody who's watching online, you don't know what that is, you can check that out. It's a, it's a treat. Uh, no one had prepped me for what I was about to get involved in. The smallest road in the world over water, right? And uh, I'm in the car with this person that's there. We're headed to New Orleans. I'm like, this better come quick. And so we get on the causeway. We're driving and we're driving. We're driving and I'm thinking we could have crossed Ireland by now. We're driving. I remember thinking to myself, is New Orleans ever going to show up? Is it ever going to come? And uh, I was thinking about this as I was writing this message over the last few weeks, that that's where some of us feel like we are today. We know what God has said. We know who he said he is. But we've been on the journey so long, we're thinking, God, are you really going to show up? God, are you really going to move in my marriage? God, are you really going to rescue that person I'm praying for? God, can you really heal me? Can you really make me whole? Some of us today are here. We've got a question. What do we do in the gap? I want to turn to scripture today. I want to look at 2 Kings. We're going to look at the story of a woman who was staring down a gap, an impossible situation. We're going to see what God does in her life. I believe that today God is going to encourage you as you enter into a new year. You're not going to enter in crawling over the finish line. You're going to enter in sprinting into what God has for you in this new year. Is anybody with me today at church? Come on. So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Kings. If you have your Bible, uh, we'll have it on the screens as well. Let's just say, I want to say this. As a youth pastor, it's a treat knowing that when people actually pull up their phones in service, they're not on Instagram or Snapchat. They're getting their Bible up, okay? So maybe you have a Bible on your phone. I'm used to being in a youth ministry, seeing flashes during service. I'm like, they're not taking pictures of me. They're doing selfies, but that's fine. And, uh, and so we're going to read from God's Word today. I hope this encourages you. This is what it says, 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant, he feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What should I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? She said, your maidservant, I have nothing in the house but a little jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather a few. When you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. I'm sure she's thinking, I just told you I have a little oil. You're talking about full jars. So she went from him and she shut the door. Behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another. Let's keep the party going. Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. It's a powerful story of what God can do in the gap. The gap between what you see here and now and what he's able to do in his power, not our own. 
In this scripture, we see this woman get direction from Elisha. He says, go out and, and gather vessels. And I'm sure she's thinking, this man's totally missed the point. I don't really have much to give. But Elisha knew something. Elisha knew that God moving isn't dependent upon what we have. It's, upon, it's dependent upon who he is and his supply, which is never limited. And so she begins to pour. And I'm, I'm sure she's thinking, this is great. Now I can see all of my lack. I've got all these jars. She begins to pour, but the oil doesn't stop flowing. She fills all the vessels. She says, hey, get me another. Let's keep doing this. Her son says, there's no more. And that is when the oil ceases, when there's no more vessels to fill. And Elisha says, you're free. Go sell the oil and live free with your sons. Live off of this blessing, this miracle. What I see in this passage is how God bridges the gap between a reality on earth to us in the physical and the reality of what the kingdom of heaven wants to do invading earth. I'm excited about 2024, not just because it's a new year, but because I can enter in and we can enter into 2024 knowing we're not alone, knowing we're going into a new year where God already is. He's the God of today, but he's the same yesterday, today, forever, and he's already even in our future. He knows the trials we'll face. He knows the things we'll lack, and he's ready to provide. Question is, is there an open vessel for God to fill? It's a powerful story today. I want to give you today in church, I want to give you three ways to pre prepare your heart for a move of God in 2024. I want to give you three ways that you can even today begin to say to God, I'm ready for you to fill my life. I'm ready for 2024 to be a year of faith. I'm ready for 2024, God, to see new levels of your presence. Whether you follow Jesus for a day or you've been following for a decade or even more than that, I believe God is always wanting to bring us deeper into relationship with him. This can be a year for it. I want to give you three ways to prepare your heart. Number one is this desperation. Desperation. It's a bit of a strange one to start on. But looking at our scripture, look what it says. She said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be a slave. She says, my husband loved the Lord, but he's passed away. He was our provider. We have debt. I can't get out of this by myself. And now my sons are about to be slaves. She is in an impossible situation she can't fix by herself. He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? I think this is awesome because I think sometimes we feel like we need to go and get something or do something or add something to us before God can use us. And God is wanting to use our lives right where we are in the little that we have. She said, I haven't got anything, just a little oil. I mean, people know God doesn't need much to move. <laughs> she said, I just got a little oil. She was in a desperate place. I want to tell you today, uh, what precedes a move of God in your life is a desperation for God. It's saying, God, I need you. I can't do this by myself. It's knowing how little control we have over our own lives outside of God and how little satisfaction we'll ever find away from him too. It's a deep desperation for God. And this woman in this place of desperation, I think this is amazing. As she's desperate and life is pressing her, what comes out of her is a cry. She says, God, I need you. She turns to the prophet. She says, I need help. I want to ask you today, when life presses you, what comes out of your life? 
When you find yourself in a desperate place, what do you get desperate for? Do you try to work everything out in your own strength or do you lean on a strength that's not your own, that can do more than you ask, think, or imagine? Desperate for God. She's desperate for a move of God. She says, God, I can't do it alone. I love this scripture from Zechariah. I remember after I gave my life to Jesus as a teenager, I read this scripture in my room and I thought, God, I am so glad you put this in the Bible because I've been carrying so much pressure myself to see my dad change and do, and I was doing things, trying to, you know, make things work, dropping Jesus into conversations, and he just didn't want to hear it. And I read this scripture. I want you to read it today. It says this, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by my might, not by our own power, but the Lord says, I'll do it by my spirit. So if you're here today and you find yourself in a gap, You're here today and you're believing that God will do something in your marriage, do something in a relationship, do something in a son or daughter's life you've been praying for, something in your business, something in your finances. If you're believing for it, I'm sure you probably wish you were somewhere else. But I want to tell you today, you are positioned perfectly for a move of God if you get desperate for Him. He can and will show up. Is anybody with me today? God is the God of the impossible. She's desperate for God. She turns to God. We need God in our country. We need God in our schools. We need God in our homes. We need God in our lives. How do I know if I'm turning to God in my desperation or I'm doing my own thing? This is what I've learned. is that doubting people lock up and deflect. Desperate people for God look up and they depend. People who are doubting God who maybe think it's too impossible, God, you can't do it. I know you're good, but this is really not good, and you can't fix it. What we tend to do as people is we tend to lock up and self-protect and isolate and try to work it out, and all we do is dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the problem. But if we're willing to get desperate for God, look up to Him, depend, and know the answer isn't here, it's only in you, God, that's when God begins to move. We saw a miracle, we saw many miracles, really, honestly, in our, in our youth ministry uh, this past year across all of our campuses. But one story that really stood out to me was the story of a young man who got in trouble at school. He made a big mistake. And his coach called me. He said, Pastor David, uh, this young man's made a, made a bad decision. And there needs to be some consequences. I could run him all day long, and he would enjoy it. He's a finely tuned athletic machine. He would probably see it as a reward. He said, so I'm calling you because I'm going to send him to church. And I said, wow, thank you, Lord, that church is now punishment for students when they do something wrong. (laughs) But I'm grateful for this coach. You know, one of the greatest things about my role in being a youth pastor is I get to build relationship with local high schools and junior highs. I get to meet teachers and meet coaches and talk to principals. And I want to tell you something that will encourage you, that our schools, no matter how far you feel they are, they are from God, there are people in the system, the school system, who love Jesus and are pointing our kids towards the Lord. It's amazing. This coach says, I'm sending him to church. What the coach didn't know was that very night, my entire message was on Jonah. And my main takeaway point was that God might not start every storm. But every storm that you're in, God can use to redirect your life and capture a hold of you. And uh, this young man shows up. He walks in a service. I remember thinking, 
I didn't know we had an NFL player serving in our youth ministry. I knew right away who he was. He came and he stood in the middle of service. He told me later, he said, Pastor David, it was like someone was speaking to me all service. I was like, it was an Irish man. He said, no, it wasn't you. Thank you, though. He said, something was speaking to me the entire service. Then you did that thing where you said, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to do something. I want you to come up to the front. He said, I closed my eyes. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. He said, I opened my eyes and I was doing it. He said, I was right at the front. And right there in that moment, this young man totally surrendered his life to Jesus. All in, everything he had, laid it at the feet of Jesus. It gets better than that. This young man for the last four months has been in small group. He asked me after service. He introduced himself. He said, I think my coach called you. I said, he did. He said, I guess he kind of knew what was going to happen. I said, yes, he did. And he said, what do I do now? And something I've learned as a Christian is that when someone gives their life to Jesus, it's a really important time. When a baby is born, that baby needs as much attention as you can give it. Why? Because this young man had been born again. It's not a time to let him drift into the world. It's a time to say, get around people, get in your word, and get to know Jesus. And I said, you need to come to small group. He said, I'm there. That next weekend, he showed up, first person at small group. For the last four months, he hasn't missed a group. And this last couple of weeks, his family have started attending church because of the change they've seen in his life. Just amazing. But what did it start with? Desperation. It started with a situation that he would have preferred not to be in. And in the gap, he said, God, I'm going to get desperate for you. And God showed up. God's given him more than I think he felt like he lost in that moment. That's the God we serve. Desperation is key in order to prepare ourselves for God moving. The second thing today I want to tell you is necessary is preparation. Preparation. God is a God who loves to move and do miracles, but there's something about us playing our part. God doesn't need us to meet him halfway. I think sometimes all God is just wanting is to see us take a step. And in this story, this lady says, what do I do? Elisha says, go, go. Something powerful about going. Go get in a small group. Go lead a small group. Go be at church on the weekend. Go commit to going as a family to church this year. If you want to see God move in your family. He says, go borrow vessels from everywhere. All your neighbors, empty vessels. Don't just gather a few. When you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. I love it says here, shut the door behind you. What I've learned over the years that I've followed Jesus is that a lot of what God will do in preparing you will be in private. A lot of the things that takes to see God move will be done out of the spotlight, out of the limelight where no one knows it's happening, where you're praying over your spouse, you're praying over your children. You're in the secret place with God, believing for your finances, believing for your school, believing for those people that work with you to get to know Jesus. Something about preparing in private. Our role is preparation. This is what I've learned. God's role is power. If we will just prepare, God will bring his power. Speaking of preparation, I'll never forget the first time I ever went to a crawfish boil in Louisiana. It was a treat. I could write a book on my first experience. I got no preparation. We're talking about preparation. I got zero. My wife knew what I was walking into. My wife's from Louisiana. She told me nothing. She told me later, experience is the best teacher. Thanks. <laughs> so she tells me, we're going to this crawfish boy. We're going to meet my family. I'm like, awesome. It's got the word fish in it. Sounds tasty, right? So I'm getting ready. We're in the car. She's telling me all about it, what to expect, 
wasn't a lot of details. Then she brushes over this fact. And, you know, they come from the mud and da-da-da-da. And I said, sorry, can you go back a couple of sentences? She said, yeah, they're fine in, in the mud. I'm like, your family? <laughs> it better be your family. She said, no, crawfish. I'm like, the only thing we eat out of the dirt is potatoes. And it's true. It's not a stereotype. It's real life. If you're Irish and you're watching, you know. And, uh, and so I'm trying to prepare mentally for eating these things. I'm trying to figure out what these things look like. We show up to the crawfish boil. You know, her uncle's there. It looks like he's got the oar from a canoe, you know, just stirring this thing. I can smell it. It smells good. And then they all start whispering and laughing. I'm like, okay, I get it. The Irish man's here. Maybe they're laughing because they expected bright ginger hair, right? It's not me. That's my mom, all right? And, uh, and then I'm like, what are they laughing about? My wife says, well, it's not really you. It's more what you're wearing. I said, what's wrong with a white T-shirt and bright blue jeans? She said, everything. <laughs> I said, you watched me leave. She said, I know. <laughs> How many people know I didn't leave with a white T-shirt and bright blue jeans? I left with an orange T-shirt and orange splattered jeans. Those are crawfish. Get everywhere. So I sit down at this table. I'm embarrassed. I sit down at the longest table I've ever seen in my life. There's newspapers everywhere. I'm thinking to myself, someone just needs to come clean this up. And uh, they throw the crawfish out. There's half lemons in there, whole potatoes, whole onions, I pick up one of these little things. I'm thinking, I just saw you screaming for your life a couple of moments ago. <laughs> I'm looking at these things, and I look to my wife, and she's already eaten about 20 crawfish. I don't even know how to eat them. I'm sitting staring at it, and it smells good, but I don't know what to do. Everybody said preparation. I wasn't very prepared. Here's what I want you to know. The crawfish boil was going to happen, but how prepared I was determined what I got out of it. I want to let you know that God is going to move in your life in 2024. The question is, how prepared are you in order to get the most out of it? I want to tell you something, though. My second crawfish boil, I showed up, black t-shirt, camo pants, Crocs, fishing hat backwards, ready to go. Seriously. I will slay some crawfish, for real, with the help of some YouTube videos. <laughs> Seriously. I can do it all. I love this story. Elisha says, get prepared because God's going to move. But I love what he said. He said, you can't do it alone. Go to your neighbors. Go find some people. It's going to take a little of what you have and a little of what they have. And I want to encourage you this year that you cannot do 2024 alone. Maybe you feel like you've stumbled in over the finish line of 2023. It may not be that you're the problem. It might just be that you're doing things alone. You don't have a community around you. You don't have people around you. I'm reminded in Exodus 17, Joshua is leading the Israelites into battle against the enemy. Moses goes up on a mountain and he brings two of his friends. He gets up there and he holds up his staff, this little staff. It wasn't the staff that had power. I believe it was a sign from Moses to God saying, I'm going to bring what I have. This is all I've got in this wilderness. I've just got this stick. I'm going to lift it up in faith. This is what the Bible says in Exodus 17. It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. As long as he remained in a position of victory before God with his hands raised, they were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. The problem is Moses starts to get tired and his arms start to drop as it would for all of us. But he's not alone. He's brought people with him. The Bible says that those that are with him, Aaron and her, they begin to lift up his arms. In fact, it says before they do that, he gets tired. They take a stone and they put it under him as a, as a seat. And he's sitting. 
Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. That's a long time to be with your brother. That's a long time to say, we're going to win this thing. That's a long time to believe in faith. Hey, keep holding on. God's going to move. And all of us, we need a community like that. Pastor Doug talked about it earlier in service. If you're watching online, you might have heard about our perspective shift. I want to encourage you, get in a small group, not because it's something churches do. It's something we need to do as Christians. Something we need to do as followers of Jesus. We need people around us. We need neighbors. We need people to hold our hands up. I want to tell you there will be a time this year, it might even be in January, where you walk into small group and your arms are low and you're tired and you need people to grab a hold of your arms and lift your arms and say, I'm believing with you for your marriage, don't give up. I'm believing with you for your children, don't give up. I'm believing with you for your finances, don't give up. We need a community. If you want to get in a group, text the word groups to 822-822. That's the number eight, by the way. I was on a phone call recently with someone that asked for my number. I said, 8848 something where they said, sir, are you saying the word it? <laughs> said, no, I'm Irish. Give me a break. All right. Get in a group. Preparation is key. You can choose to do it today. Be ahead of the game. Be ahead of the curve. Moses needed friends. This great man of God, we need people too. If you want your marriage to be healthier, how are you preparing? If you want your kids to know Jesus, how are you preparing? If you want your business to thrive, how are you preparing today for what he's going to do in the year ahead? How are you preparing? This is what I love about Prepare, this event we're hosting in a couple weeks. I love it because it's not just another church event. I really see the meaning of it. I know that our senior pastor, Pastor Steve, how many people are grateful for Pastor Steve Robinson, how he loves Jesus and he leads his church? Pastor Steve knows that God is going to move like never before at Church of the King in 2024, but he's not going to wait. And at the start of the year, we're going to get together as a church, and we're going to prepare for God moving. We're going we're to show up. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to worship. We're going to believe. We're going to write down our prayers on walls so that whenever they're answered, we get to hold them up and say, look, God did it. Preparation is key. God doesn't need us to prepare, but there's something about partnering with God. It's preparing. God, I'm ready for you to move. It takes desperation. It takes preparation. And as we close today, saturation. This is God's part. If we will get desperate for God, if we will begin to prepare for God moving, and some of us, we think we need to totally change everything we do. For some of us, it's just a small thing. For some of us, it's beginning to pray at the dinner table with our kids before we eat. For others, it's saying, I'm committed to going to church this, this year. I'm going to do everything my ca I can to show up. For some of us, it's just beginning to share Jesus in the workplace. It only takes a little oil. <laughs> and God will multiply it. God wants to fill your life. Look what it says in our scripture. It says in 2 Kings, so she went from him and she shut the door. She said, okay, I'm going to do it. She said, I've got the faith to believe. I've got no other options. I think sometimes the issue is we have so many other options. Some of us don't know Jesus is all you need until he's all you have. And he wants to fill your life. And she says, God, you're all I have. I'm going to be obedient. She gets the vessels. 
and the oil begins to flow. And she says, bring me another. He said, there isn't. So the oil ceases. And she told Elisha, he says, sell the oil and live off of it. You're free. God tells her, it's not about the little that you have. It's about you being open for me to flow through your life. Do you have faith in me despite what you see, despite how big of a gap you feel like you're in? Every addiction can be broken by the Spirit of God. Every trial can be endured by the Spirit of God. Every sickness can be healed by the Spirit of God. Every lost soul can be drawn back to the cross by the Spirit of God. It's His Spirit. Will you let Him saturate your life? I remember as a teenager hearing this and I was afraid. I'd been let down by people. And I said, God, I'll give you 70%, but I feel comfortable holding on to the other 30. And I began to realize God didn't want 70% of me, He wants all of me, so that He could give me all of Him. I want to encourage you today to give all of your business to God. To give all of your heart to Him. And it might be strange or it might not look like what you want it to, but there's something about bringing your offering of the little you have and beginning to get open before God. It's offering and being open. Offering and being open. God, this is all I have, but I'm open to you. God wants to fill your life. I'm gonna get old school preacher on you right now. God doesn't just wanna spill you with his presence. He wants to fill you with his presence. God doesn't just want you to show up and get warm, fuzzy feelings on a Sunday. He enjoys meeting with you, but he wants to fill you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and when you're in the workplace on Thursday and when you're with your kids and they're testing your, your last nerve on a Friday and every other day. I'm a youth pastor. I understand. Love you guys. All right. God wants to meet you and fill you every day with his spirit. Saturate you. Saturate you with his spirit. We'll close with a story today. There's another student who gave his life to Jesus this past year. He started coming to small group, and one day we were talking about the Spirit of God, and he lit up. He said, you're telling me this is what I said yes to? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I started getting excited. He didn't even know what he was saying yes to. He just knew he wanted Jesus. He didn't know that God was going to be with him and fill him and, and be in his days and, and give him strength he didn't have. He says, I want that, Pastor David. What do I have to do? I said, you just have to be open. He said, that's it. He said, that's it. So we leave small group. I go out to my car. I got a missed phone call from someone. Get on the phone. I make a call. I end the call. I look at my phone and I get a text from this young man. He says, are you still here? I'm like, oh no, what has he done? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. What's up? He said, can you come back and meet me where we were sitting? I said, of course. So I walk over there. And he's emotional, and I see him, he's kind of fidgety. I'm like, oh no, I've totally overwhelmed this young man. This young man is thinking to himself, I need to do something to meet God. I need to do, I don't know what to do. Now I'm terrified. And I just start speaking. I'm like, here's the deal, just relax. God's gonna meet you. God's gonna fill you with his presence. And he's looking at me like, be quiet, Irish man. I'm like, I've missed it. What's going on? He said, I got into my car. I put the keys in, and I went to drive off. And something filled my car and filled my life. He said, peace overwhelmed me. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't focusing on anything. I was walking in my car saying, just be open. I'll be open. I can be open. He said, and when I was in my car, I know now it's the presence of God filled me. He said, I couldn't move. I couldn't drive. 
He said, I opened my door, I threw my leg out, (laughs) and I stumbled back here, and I've been sitting here ever since. He said, what's going on? I got to explain to him what God was doing in his life. He said, I don't want to live another day without experiencing the presence of God. I said, you don't have to. You don't have to. He called me later. He said, you want to hear something funny? I said, does it get funnier? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I got back to my car after we talked. I plugged my phone in. He said, I don't have any worship music on my phone. I said, that's going to change. <laughs> Take a break from the hip-hop for a little while. And uh, he said, I plugged my phone in. I don't have any worship music on my phone. A worship song tunes into my radio and the, the song, Spirit of the Living God, starts playing through my speakers. He said, God filled my car again, and I couldn't drive again. He said, I got to the point I was getting texts from my parents, where are you? He said, I had to say, God, I'm not open anymore. I'm done. Let me drive. <laughs> Let me drive home. This young man has continued to walk in the Spirit of God ever since. He's led schools in worship. He's been writing worship songs. God has been moving in his life. It's just been powerful. So as we enter into a moment of prayer, I want to ask you today, if God is willing to fill the life of a young man who just said, I'm open, if God is willing to multiply oil and the little that a woman had because she was open and had some open vessels, how much more will God fill your life if you're open in 2024? I want you to close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. I want to pray for us as we finish today. And I want this to be a moment today as we close and everybody joining us online. I want this to be almost a flag at the top of a mountain saying, God, I'm here. God, I've made it. God, I'm committing. I've walked through 2023 and I made it. It was difficult. I had challenges. Things happened I didn't see coming. But God, I'm here and I'm ready. I'm ready for more of you. I'm ready to be saturated by your presence. I'm tired of doing things alone. And I need you. I sense by God's spirit today that there's some of you here and you feel very like that, that woman in the story where you have a debt that you can't pay. And there's no greater debt we couldn't pay than the debt of sin that was separating us from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And every one of us, like sheep, have gone astray at our own way, but God led on Jesus our punishment. I want to let you know today your debt has already been paid. That you can walk out of this place today or leave wherever you're watching online knowing that you've given your heart to Jesus and you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. This is what I've learned. People will live up to who they believe that they are. If you give Jesus your life and start to see yourself the way he does, your life will change forever. If that's you today, you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you just right now where you are, just to say it and say, Jesus, I need you. I also sense so that some of you are here and you are ready for the more of God. You're ready for him to saturate your marriage, saturate your life, saturate your faith, saturate where you work, saturate your home. And so God, right now, by the power of your spirit, Lord, I ask that you would fill us Whatever area seems like there's a gap too far for you to do something, Lord, we surrender it to you right now. Lord, we pray that this time next year, wherever we're believing for you to move would be our greatest area of testimony. 
It would be a place we tell people for decades to come of what you did. It would be a place that we could say, I was so weak and tired and desperate, and look what God has done. God, we surrender those areas to you today. And we say, move, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. God, we are grateful for your provision and your faithfulness. We get excited to see even greater faithfulness, even greater provision, even greater depths of you in the year to come. In Jesus' name. And Church of the King said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for Jesus today? I love you guys. Have a great end of your year. Man, what an amazing message today. And I do want to take a second to just talk to those of you who are making a decision right now in this moment to commit your lives to Jesus or to recommit your lives to Christ. What better way to finish the year and to really jump into this new year than by committing your life to Jesus. And so as a church, we are so excited for you. I personally believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. And here's the thing, you don't have to do this alone. We really want to come alongside you and help you walk out this new life of following Jesus. So if you just made that decision, why don't you take a second right now and click the link in the chat room if you're watching this live, or you can text the word decision to the numbers 822-822. What that allows you to do is to just fill out a short form letting us know that you made that decision so we can just follow up with you to celebrate with you, but also to give you some resources to help you as you're beginning this new life of following Jesus. It's going to be an amazing journey as we head into this new year, and man, we are so, so excited for you. Well, with that, we're kind of wrapping up our time together in church today, but I do want to remind you that as we're heading into this new year, we have some exciting things here at Church of the King, and Pastor Steve has a powerful message next weekend on vision. You're not going to want to miss it, and then the week after that, we're kicking off Perspective Shift. So again, thank you for being with us today. We love you. Hope you have an awesome week ahead, and we'll see you next year.